We are all worthy, strong, and committed, and we are ready to go beyond our own limitations. Welcome back, my friends and loved ones, to the Rebel Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my co-host, Thor, of course, and I'm here as a friend, a creator, a powerlifter, and a provocateur. And we are here to learn to question the one thing that keeps us from our best, ourselves. Join me as we dive deep to question and strengthen our communication and our vulnerability, create a healthier mind to commit to our goals, and how to give more to our lovers and the world. We're going to face the uncomfortable truths of what it means to be authentically and uniquely flawed, but awesome humans. So, let's get rebel-minded. Also, I'll bring in stories of all things powerlifting, Thor shenanigans, and probably some embarrassing mishaps. Let's do this. Deanna Moffitt helps people turn what if into why not. She elevates her clients' experience in life and leadership through the power of their conversations, their questions, and their decisions. Taking a wild ride to get where she is, she left a secure, well-paying corporate job to perform improv comedy at the tender age of 36. After 11 years in Chicago, she headed back to the West Coast and once again redesigned her life, leaning into coaching, speaking, and facilitating. Her mission is to help people dream, create, and ultimately live the greatest version of their life that they can imagine. Welcome to episode 60 on the RMP with Deanna Moffitt. So, okay, so, I mean, why don't, why don't we kind of take this and, and move forward into to what we know and, yeah. and what we what we wanted to really discuss. Now, the the really good thing that started off when we talked before was this idea of these stories that we tell mm-hmm. and how we convince ourselves of these stories. But before we dive into that, I want everybody to know who you are. I want to hear the story of, of Deanna and I want people to have an idea of where you come from and what it is that you do and why you do it. Why you do it? God, is this a four-hour podcast? Do we have it's time for all be. this? <laughs> it's going to be. I'll cut it down, but yeah, I want people to know all the things about you. <laughs> well, Zach, listen, I am. Um, I feel like I am a late bloomer in life, or an evergreen bloomer for sure. Mm-hmm. I've uh, probably recreated my life four different times and made big recreations, yeah. going from the corporate world you know, a highly successful IT project manager, quitting that completely, selling my home and moving to Chicago at the tender age of 36, becoming an improviser, which, you know, very few people do out mm-hmm. beyond university or beyond college and found success there and did all kinds of great things. And, you know, lived on cruise ships for 18 months of my life and got a sense of what that might feel like to be trapped on a floating jail. <laughs> oh yeah. While. That would be interesting. <laughs> and um, then moved to LA and after spending about 11 years in Chicago and moving out to LA and realizing very quickly that I didn't want to perform, didn't want to be an improviser and uh, switched gears one more time. I loved speaking. I've always had a speaker's heart. Lots of people run away from the microphone, went away from the stage. It's their greatest fear. I was the oddball that had always been running to it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love the most. And, you know, we all have reasons why we do that. And I think I grew up in a house where I didn't feel seen. So for me, 
speaking was a way for me to be seen. And I didn't have to get too close to people. I could just talk from a stage, you know, so they don't have to get too curious about me. Mm-hmm. I could show up, I could show up really well and I could impart some information and I could leave. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's amazing though, because depending on your perspective, it's, it's like, if you have the, if you have the ability to, to go against the current, mm-hmm. what, you know, what does that tell you about your, not only your strength, but your desire and your passion, you know, if everybody's kind of like shying away from a microphone, you know, in a stage, what does that mean about you? Maybe that clears up a lot, you know, when you dive in these positions where you're like, oh, nobody else will do it. I'll do it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think that, I think from the earliest age, I've been kind of that person. I love that you said that I, you know, kind of swimming against the current. I think I've been doing that for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a house that was super chaotic. It was not in my makeup to be in. I, I was adopted. I grew up, I was adopted and I was adopted early and nurture versus nature, who knows, but I did not feel like I f- necessarily fit into this family. I knew I was well loved, but I was so completely different from mm-hmm. my family, loved exercising, loved entertainment, loved arts. And that wasn't really fostered or a part of my upbringing. And so uh, I just always, I think at an early age, just kind of went for things. Uh, even when I didn't have strong support behind me to say, you should do this, you just, you should try this. And um, I think I, I probably became a, a really good lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't always help me as an adult, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I totally get it because you get in this position where you're, you're so, you have these things. I mean, other people are great. We're supposed to connect with other people. We're supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, have some sort of uh, tribalism and, and have affection and, and connection and, and, you know, these really strong bonds. But you get to this area where you're so comfortable you know, chasing your goals and not having anything to distract you that you can kind of get to that lone wolf mentality. And maybe it's some sort of blend, you know, in balance of when you, when you meet back up with the pack, you know, compared to, you know, what you do out on your own. Um, I think there's a beauty in finding that balance. You know, there's, there's like a, there's a, there's a fine line that you can teeter on that, that works, you know, that, oh, that sure. keeps your, that keeps, keeps your heart racing because you're, because, you know, you're, you're on a, you know, a tightrope, but, um, I mean, I guess every once in a while you have to kind of step off and, and, uh, pay attention to where you're at. And I, I guess the other people, I, have you had a problem? Ha- has it caused issues being the lone wolf? Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I think around, um, and, as crazy as it sounds, I think many people would find this song crazy, but the difficulty to connect with people mm-hmm. on a really deep level. I think I uh, have, if there, if you know anything about attachment, I probably, I'm healing this, but I was definitely an avoidant attachment kind of person. Mm-hmm. It's like I grew up and I think I was really involved in school, but I never had anyone witness it if you know what I mean. So if I, I so. if I was involved in, you know, plays or I was a cheerleader for years and there was never anyone in the stands to witness from my family to see that. Okay. 
So you just learn not to expect people to kind of show up. Now, listen, I'm telling such a story right now. (laughs) We're going to go into this a little bit more, but this is the story that has haunted me. And I'm aware that we can, we can certainly walk through that. So I think one of the things uh, is as I've gotten older is really understanding. And you mentioned it is the importance of knowing your, your pack, your wolf pack. Yeah. 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 Who do you call into and who do you surround yourself because life really is not meant to go alone. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, there, there's certain things in like our evolution. I, you know, I don't know who believes in evolution or not. Um, it's just, <laughs> I you know, you I, talk freely with me, Zach. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, it makes more sense to me. Right. Um, and my thing is like, no matter what I believe that could, it could also include a different belief. Like there's so much span of time that it could include, you know, evolution could also include religion. I mean, there's just that, that kind of gray area of like how the world was created. Right. But regardless, there's this, this huge expansive amount of time where we know that we, we were in small packs and we were kind of, you know, we traveled together in, in, you know, five, 10 or a hundred, or I've heard a bunch of different things, but we definitely were, communal you know and i think that's at this point like bred into us like i think it's you know it it controls you know our our emotions and our mentality and uh our progress i guess if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um it just it's so important i just don't know if i just don't know if anybody can be their best if they're always alone does that make sense yeah which is why i think for many of us this past year this pandemic situation where a lot of people who do live by themselves mm-hmm. and it's been a, a world it's a mental health hit for sure yeah it's been it's been a very interesting but everybody <laughs> I mean everybody's loving the COVID story still um so I, I'm curious Deanna then it so because you didn't always have that support system at your back what did your story what did your story become were you your I mean, was it kind of like you were just your only supporter and you closed everybody else off or what did your story tell you? Like, what were you convinced? Mm. So that what I, I took those stories or those incidents. So, you know, and Mm -hmm. everyone, all of us have childhood incidents, right? Yeah. And we can only filter them through a child's mind. And because we're a child, everything is about us. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I probably could not really take into consideration how difficult my parents were having it. They were in a miserable marriage, right? They really were trying to figure their own stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just part of the process, you know, yeah. in all of that. But I really took the story. And um, for a long time, that story was, uh, I'm unimportant. I'm not worthy of being seen or heard. Ooh. Yeah. Right. But I think a lot of people have that story. Yeah, I think so. A lot of people have that story. And um, I continually, I continually pushed myself into areas. If I reflect back on what I was involved in, in school, where I could be heard, I think being heard was a big deal for me Mm -hmm. because I didn't have a voice in my home. Interesting. And you know what the crazy part is, is I've, I've kind of thought about this before and, and um, give me your, your perspective on this. We have these situations that can be 
very similar to another person, right? And they can go completely the other direction. They can, they can close off, they can become, you know, even more hermited, I guess, and, you know, feel the pain of, of that lack of support and that, uh, that overwhelming aloneness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I guess I don't really know what would push somebody one direction or the other. Oh yeah. Well, that's the stories we tell, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting, you know, our perceptions of the world. And I liken it to the idea that we get these stories, not from ourselves, you know, or that we, we get these stories and we get snippets of these stories. And, and because we're meaning makers, we make meanings of these incidents that then become our story, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we get, have these situations, and certainly, as you said, Zach, you know, two people could have the exact same situation and go off in polar different directions because they make different meaning of it. Mm-hmm. I made a meaning of, I was, wasn't important. I wasn't being seen. I wasn't being heard, but a deeper meaning was I wanted to be heard. I wanted to be seen. I felt like mm-hmm. I had something to say, and I thought I had a skill at doing it. So even if they weren't going to be in the stands watching I still wanted to go after and do it, Mm -hmm. but that could be really devastating to someone else. And they could have told a completely different story of I'm unlovable. No one wants me. I can't even try things. Right. So Mm -hmm. we make these meanings of these incidents that really can lead us in polar opposite directions. Yeah. I, I, I guess when I, when I look back, um, your experiences are definitely different from mine, but there was this feeling of me being different from my family, you know, and I had this idea that because I was different, that I needed to change the way that I do things. Like I needed to do things the way that everybody else was, because I was, wor- I was mind-blowingly worried about not being accepted. Mm-hmm. And so what came of my experience was I was looking for everyone else to give me answers on what I should do. You know, how do, how do I become the right person? How do I become the person that people love and, you know, the people, you know, think is, is, uh, is successful and, and powerful and all these, I mean, there's a bunch of masculinity issues (laughs) dug in there with it, but it, it was this, this deep anguish of like, I'm not doing things right there. What is wrong with me? What can I, people, I needed people to tell me what I needed to do, you know? Until, until I didn't, you know, until I was like, you know, I threw my hands up. I was like, this is not, this is not working. I don't, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, so do you think that there's, say in theory, somebody kind of has the the more negative effect from, from that experience. Right. Um, because we're convincing ourselves of these stories of of Mm -hmm. who we are and what we're meant to do. And the biggest thing that bothers me most of the time is, and it's the very reason for the podcast is people aren't questioning themselves enough, mm-hmm. you know? So where do we hit that point where we can, we can start questioning, like, where can we start turning ourselves around um, and, and changing that frame of mind on, on who we are and like changing our trajectory for our journey? You know what I mean? That's a, that's a hard question. Well, I think what you're saying in there, it takes some consciousness. We have to mm, be consciously mm. aware that our life isn't rolling out the way we want it to. Yeah. And you know this, I mean, I just think so many people live their whole life 
really just kind of taking life as it comes and it's, they react to it and then they die. <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. really, there's really. Yeah. It's super um, unfortunate, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, one of our mentors who we were just talking about offline earlier, I remember the first time I met him, not the first time, but one of the first times uh, he said, life is really shit. And then you die. Yeah. I was like, dude, you can't believe that. He goes, yeah, that's what I believe. And I go, no, I go, no, that's, that's a perspective. Yeah. And if that is your perspective, guess what? Life is going to be shit. And then you're going to die. That's what you're going to live. Yeah. It's what you, we live into the stories that we have about ourselves that we've created about ourselves, those stories that have been given to us and those we've created ourselves. We live into them. Mm-hmm. We think it's the other way around, but it's actually not right. We think we live and then we have these stories to tell, but the reality is we have these stories and we live into them. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you never get out of the child frame of mind, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, which, which is super unfortunate because you get into an idea of like, this is what the world gave me. So this is what I have to do or, mm-hmm you know, and there's this, we kind of position ourselves where we watch everybody else be successful. And for some reason, we can't, we can't convince ourselves that we can also be that, Mm. you know, we separate ourselves as humans, almost, it seems like, you know, this human is good enough to do this. And I'm not good enough to do this. I have to, I have to sit here and watch. Right. Which is that your truth deck? I, well, that's what I was kind of getting as I, I think that's how I kind of was. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that was kind of, that was my story. Yeah. Was I was like, too. this is the, this is the trade that I got into. I just, you know, it was offered to me. And mm-hmm. so this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I've told people before is that it, it took, it took a major catalyst. It took me yeah. getting my heart broken and like feeling like, like I had absolutely nothing before I decided I have nothing to lose, I might as well try to find something exciting. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what that meant at the time. Yeah. You know, that's exactly right. I feel like we, I think we will live our story and the only way we'll change it is one of two ways. Mm -hmm. Either something will happen to us like a major breakup Mm -hmm. or something will come through us. Meaning, we will have a realization that we are unsatisfied. We're unhappy. We'll mm-hmm. start questioning, is this really all there is? I mean, I totally remember having those questions sitting, yeah. you know, sitting at my desk in the corporate office thinking, oh my God, is this it? You know, I was married to someone I didn't want to be married to. I was doing a job I was good at, but I didn't want to do. And I'm sitting there in my thirties thinking, is this it? Is this, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. And all my friends mm-hmm. were in the exact same boat. And seemingly being able to manage it well. They're married, they're in mediocre jobs, they're they're doing their thing. And so no one was really questioning it. Everyone was just going along with, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I guess the 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 biggest question, <laughs> maybe the best the biggest question today is what do we question? Mm. Like, why, why and what? You know, how do you how do you decide that it's enough? You know, because if you sit back, it's like people are, there's like this spectrum almost, you know, of all these people experiencing these different things. And 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see where it could be. It can be an internal or external catalyst, I guess. Like, yeah. well, when you say pro- when you say is it enough? What do you mean by that? What's what do you what are you talking about? I guess you know whatever that enough limit is for each person. But enough of what? Enough of the the misery or mm-hmm. or at least that was my word because mm-hmm. uh like all the way through my 20s it was like this full decade of a black hole like it was it was legitimately it felt like everything in me it was, it was a physical feeling you know because of my emotions and my anguish um and that misery it was like this physical pressure but i i had done i've been doing it for so long i didn't know otherwise sure you know, and I was, I was into lifting and I I had a good diet and like, I was working really hard and my energy was always high, but there was this pit in my stomach. It was like this black hole. Everything just kept sucking to the center of my, of my chest. And it, it like almost hurt. Mm -hmm. It almost hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm worried about. So many people feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm hoping there's people out there that are connecting with this saying, yeah, I feel that too. It's super, <laughs> it super sucks. It super sucks. And, you know, I, you have to wonder, especially in this past year, as we have been numbing ourselves up, it does hurt. It is painful mm-hmm. to live a life that does not fulfill us in mm-hmm. some way. And that's why we then end our, end up numbing ourselves with television or with gaming mm-hmm. or with drugs or with alcohol or with sex or with buying or shopping, we are trying to fill up that hole to numb that pain for sure. And there's always this underlying question. I'm sure many of your listeners have had is, is this all there is? Is this it? It's such a shitty question too. (laughs) Well, unless you can honestly come back and say, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's what the rebel podcast is all about. It's the hell no. It's like, oh, there's more. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And the the crazy part for me was I was, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh my God, people can decide anything. Like, I know that sounds super general and broad. I know, I get but it. But <laughs> it's like, people can decide fucking anything, mm-hmm. anything. If I turn around tomorrow and don't be scared. I'm not going to do this, but I'm saying if I turn around tomorrow and say, you know what? It's not about like, I don't want to do the podcast anymore. It's about me dancing on the streets. Like you, I get to decide that. Yeah. I literally get to decide that. Yeah. You know, you, you can go through the anguish of, uh, know, financial struggles and, and relationship struggles. And it seems like no matter what, there's, there's some level of suffering or you can call it challenge, but it's always going to be there. But are you going to decide to do it in the way that, that excites you and like makes you feel free? The, the, mm-hmm. the podcast makes me feel free. It yeah. feels like I'm connecting to people. And it seems like this is the thing that people should be touching or reaching out for. And so, so this kind of brings me up back a little bit. I'm oh, sorry. I'm getting a little excited now. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about touching. I don't know what you're talking about. But. <laughs> well, like, like reaching out, you know, emotionally, like emotionally reaching out and finding something that 
just means something to you and yeah. and like melts your heart or makes you cry or uh makes you feel connected to other people and so when it comes to your story Deanna it do you did you so how am I gonna say this so as a lone wolf mm-hmm. person right did you kind of feel that freedom already through most of your life or was there a point because you said you had a relationship a relationship and a job that doesn't that didn't really feel right mm-hmm. you know I guess what was that reaching out moment for you what was that thing that mm, it was definitely I started doing improv I started doing improv comedy ah. while I was working so you know you did I'm improv married- comedy yeah did it. we're gonna have another podcast like jokes guys. <laughs> this is gonna happen Deanna's gonna tell so, jokes. <laughs> yeah I started you know I'd always I'd dabbled in acting mm-hmm. I I had fun but um for whatever reason the story you know I had got in high school as I was one of the cool kids. And so I was a yeah. cheerleader. You couldn't do both. You know, those are different sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I want to do this. I want to do journalism. I want to do this. I want to do this. And so I did, but I never got to go as deep into it. So um, in, I started doing community theater, you know, just little fun things. And uh, one of my coworkers came and saw one of my shows. Most of the stuff that I did was comedy. And he told me about an improv theater in Portland called Comedy Sports. I miss the whole college experience of improv. This is where most people get it. I, mm-hmm. I didn't experience any of it. I had no idea it was an even thing. So the first time I went and saw a show, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. These adults are like kids. They are having so much fun. And I'm laughing my ass off. I thought that was just the best thing. And I immediately got one of my friends to join up and take classes with me to yes. go do improv. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, the pack was formed. I found, I found people that were just there to have it. And the weird thing about improvisers, especially n- not necessarily people who are in it to get to Saturday Night Live or, you know, one of the, you know, to become a star, but in all these little cities around the country and around the world, some of the most fascinating, most interesting people do improv. Just nerd alerts and and weird and funny and great and just mm-hmm. inspiring people, and um, it was great. You know, we we rehearse and it was the first time I really felt like I was, you know, and I can look back and I can say, well, no, you were part of a team here and you were part of a team here. But I think as an adult, this was the first time I really felt like, oh yeah, this is what it feels like to have people around you. And you know, they always. Mm-hmm one of the best things improvisers do is before they ever step on stage is just, I got your back. I got your back. So there was just always a sense of, I got your back with these folks. So it kind of gave you that feeling of support that you didn't really have before maybe. Yeah. I mean, and it came at a great time because I was really, really miserable (laughs) in my marriage. And uh, I think he was too. This wasn't just a one-sided thing. And we, neither one of us really, knew how to get out of it. This is the marriage that everybody else wanted for us. And I think we both felt the pressure mm, to yeah. get into this marriage. And I think we were both really trying to figure out how to get out of this marriage. And um, so it was a time for me to, to just really connect with other people. And, and it was, and it was great. See, and so what did it, I, I don't know if this is circling around the same thing, but what did it feel like? Because I know there's certain things in my life that I feel 
and it doesn't matter what else comes out of it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether, you know, it makes me popular if, if a bunch of people see it or, you know, if it, uh, makes me money or anything or anything, there's just these certain things in life that it's like, I'm just trying to chase that feeling. Like it, I want that. I want that moment and I'm good. Yeah. It's totally that. I, I, I bet you, if you talk to a lot of improvisers would say it's kind of a drug because Mm -hmm. when you're on stage without a script and you've got, you know, hundred or 200 people in an audience who know you don't have a script and you have to be in the moment, it is such a pure state of being in the moment with 100 other people. You Mm -hmm. just don't get that experience very often. And so what it felt like was pure presence. And that is worth chasing. Ooh, that's so good too. Mm. That's so good because it's, it seems like we're so distracted with the past and the future. You know, this is what I'm trying to get away from. This Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to get. So it's very rare that we're ever in that moment. And we, Ooh, that's, that's gross because then, (laughs) (laughs) because it's like, what are you, what do you, what do you not feel? You know, like Mm. if, if, if we can't find our presence, what are we not allowing ourselves to have? You know, it's a deep question. Yeah. You know, when we're, when we're in our presence, we have to let go of the pain of the story Mm. of the weight that we're carrying around Mm. because we can't have that in the present and we can't take with us our worries our anxieties, because those are in the future state. So when you're in the present, right there in that moment, it is everything. So if we, I'm getting so internal about this. (laughs) (laughs) This is fantastic. Take it there, Zach. Uh, These these stories we've created, I, I I would go to, assume that they're it's it's just conditioning and habit you know right from from whatever childhood experiences we may have had yeah uh oh gosh dr nicole lapera who wrote the book how to do the work it's a recent release and i love the the simplicity of what she said that our core beliefs which are really just our stories right Mm -hmm. our core beliefs are thoughts that we've put on repeat Ooh. Yeah. They're just on repeat. They're thoughts and stories that we've just put on repeat. That's all they are. But we believe them to be our truth, even in the face of vast data that would tell us otherwise. Mm -hmm. We hold on to and we argue for these limiting stories and beliefs about ourselves. Why do you think that we try to convince ourselves so much of something that we know makes us feel shitty yeah but if it's a belief right it's like you know our beliefs are what tony robbins once had this analogy of we prop up our beliefs Mm -hmm. and those things we stand on we stand on these beliefs but we prop up this table of beliefs on little stories little anecdotes little incidents that prop Mm. up this belief right and we stand on it it is our foundation. And if we start monkeying around with that and shifting that, when we rip out our core beliefs about who we are, it can feel so 
unsettling because yeah, yeah, we yeah. based our whole experience so far up onto this belief. And now I have someone questioning this and I have to change it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Even though this belief doesn't serve me and it could be false entirely, I want to hold on to it because this is who I am up until this point. And I don't know what the future looks like if I don't have this story. So, okay. So, so do you think it's also connected to our fear of the unknown, I guess? So if you start to shift things a little bit, like mm-hmm. it, like you're saying, it, it kind of becomes unstable. Yeah. So is that why we were tracked maybe? And well, go back to, uh, you know, what, you know, our, our limiting, limiting beliefs, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Mm. I think we have, as humans, we have a need for certainty. And this story Ooh, brings us yeah. certainty. We know who we are in this story. Even mm-hmm. again, even in the face yeah. of <laughs> crazy amounts of information that could tell us a different story, but we know mm-hmm. who we are. And there's, um, you know, that idea of, I'm sure there's, there's fear in it and it goes into a little bit of, you know, our body's reaction to the unknown and it brings up a fear state, which is going to be our fight or flight or that, you know, that whole anxiousness and nervousness about who we are. If I don't have this story, then who am I? It's a great question, isn't it? I mean, you get to create whatever version you want, Mm -hmm. but that question, it's like giving you a blank page and asking you to write a novel. Mm -hmm. And that can be really, really challenging and difficult to do. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm just going to like raw this thing, I guess. Is that a new term, Zach? Raw? It's going to be. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely going to be. Well, I, I mean, to a point, I, I, it, to me, I, I, tr- I like to try to visualize a, an idea, mm-hmm. right? So if, if, we have, if we have a, you know, we have a cut or we have a wound or something like that, the air hurts it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that raw, it is painful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you want to get it covered up a little bit. But it also takes the air to scar it over and, and, you know, to actually start to heal a little bit, even when it's painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's I think it's important for us to be raw. I think it, I think it's super important to in order to heal that wound, whatever it may be, metaphorically, mm-hmm. um, we have to allow it to be raw, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't consider myself a philosopher, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> Well, share with me. I'm, I want to become curious with you on that one. Yeah. So does that mean what you're saying is it's important for us to share what our stories are or what we think our stories are? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Because maybe it's whenever we share, I mean, if, if we only know our own stories, then we're the only ones that can convince us otherwise or convince ourselves of that truth, mm-hmm. right? So if we start to share, it, you start to get all these, you know, 50 different perspectives from other people saying that, no, you're wrong. That's that's not who you are. This is what I see, you know? And when you start to have people tell you you're wrong, I it definitely disrupts the system. <laughs> yeah, 
And might, I might even encourage people to say, instead of saying you're wrong, just say, I have a different perspective because mm-hmm. <laughs> people, well, I mean, if people, you tell them when they're wrong about their story, they're just going to dig in even harder. Right. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how many people can have, you know, all these external things, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be super, super, uh, self-deprecating and measurable on the inside. Right. Sure. And that's why I think it's so important to, to grow from the inside out. Like if you have all these external things, question how you feel with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get those things because you follow your passion and, and, you know, you're, you're legitimately taking control of who you are and living life the way that you want to. And they, they come because of that. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm more worried about people being attached to a society, you know, societal dream mm-hmm. and only chasing that and feeling like they're going to get everything that they need from their wealth and, you know, from their, their, their beauty. And, you know, I think stress is a high, like a very big problem with, with most of us because we're chasing something that doesn't feel right to us. And I think it's wrong for all of us to be chasing the same thing, you know, and if it's just about the, the money, that we bring in and the, you know, houses that we live in and, you know, the things that we allow ourselves to buy to, to try to make up for, you know, try to use things to make, to be fun, to make up for the, our lack of passion internally, if that makes sense. Totally. I think it goes back to what you were talking earlier about that, that hole in your, yeah that black hole and we stuff yeah. it with things. We stuff it with houses and cars and, you know, experiences and trips because we don't feel satisfied. But I'll tell you, you know, when I left my corporate job and I moved to Chicago, I sold my home, moved to Chicago, went from, you know, great house with a full, beautiful basement and, you know, two bedrooms and third bedroom downstairs, a TV, great to a little two bedroom apartment in Chicago. And, um, I think the first year I was in Chicago, I went from a six figure salary. I think the first year I made in Chicago, I made about $16,000. Wow. And I'd that never been difference. happier in my life. Yeah. We figured out the, the world's <laughs> happiness problem right there. <laughs> well, you know, Lori DeSantos from Yale University talks about, and they have a free class on Coursera. Anyone can take it, the science of well being. And she talks about, this idea of miswanting and researchers looking into, right? So we, it's exactly what you were talking about, Zach. We think it's going, we're going to be happy when we get the house or when we get the new job or when you get all the money, we're going to be happy with the things. But in fact, um, we don't because after we get momentary happiness, but after a time, we go back to our set happiness level. So all of a sudden, that car is a pain in the butt because we got to put oil in it and the t- mm-hmm. needs new tires, and the house needs a new roof and it's causing more pain than anything. And the money I'm getting, ta- you know, all this stuff we think are going to be happy, but they only increase our happiness if they do it all for short time frames, mm-hmm. and then we go back to our set point mm-hmm. of our happiness level. Mm-hmm. So but- it's it's all external. Yeah. What actually like changes that. our happiness is, you know, a myriad of things, but it's usually connections with other people. It's usually, you know, gratitude. It's all the things anyone's normal grandma would say to them. My grandma didn't say this because she wasn't normal, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be grateful for thing, the things you have, 
not that you can't go out and achieve and strive for those things for sure, but not with a hope that they're going to make you happy mm-hmm. because they're not. Yeah. I, I think for me personally, my best moments are when I'm talking about something, uh, talking about something that somebody else understands. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I find somebody new and we start talking about per se powerlifting, you know, not everybody's thing, <laughs> but it's this weird, like warmth mm-hmm. inside my chest. Right. You know, or if, if I go out on a limb and I flirt with a girl and she doesn't reject me, I'm like, oh my God, ooh, this feels, this feels <laughs> fancy too. Right. Um, I think those are the feelings that I'm chasing. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess that's where I, I'm trying to, to, to relate to your connection thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. Is- yeah. Well, there's, there's research that backs it up. So you, you can, you can also look at the research. It's the butterflies. <laughs> it's all about the butterflies. <laughs> it is. Well, novelty is one of the things, right? It's the chasing the new. Mm-hmm. So that, that definitely can uh, bring happiness. And I think going back to improv, that was always one of the things that was because you're so present and everything is new. You're, you're, you're just never doing the same show again. Mm-hmm. So you're experiencing something new every single time. Yeah. So I, I would like to say that there's, there's truths about, about transition, right. That a lot of people probably don't want to listen to. Mm, you know? Lay it on me. What are these truths? Well, I mean, that's, that's what Deanna and I are going to discuss. <laughs> it, it seems like there's these truths about transition that we, that we, we reject, you know, we, that, that first one, like we were talking about was that doubt of like not knowing what's going to come, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's, I think there's also this truth that we're so convinced that we're not good enough for something that if we do follow a passion, we won't be, you know, we'll be convinced that there's not enough room for it, mm-hmm. or we'll be convinced that, uh, we won't be good enough at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we can be convinced that we won't be noticed. Mm-hmm at all you know and i mean these these aren't super flattering truths i don't think you know but there's these ideas in the back of our minds that that you know the the lie is that 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 this won't work the lie is that if you transition this won't work right but it seems like mentally if we see some sort of disruption to our story Mm-hmm. And if we do it enough, that maybe that's what starts to change, I guess. <laughs> My friend Katie has such a great uh, mental image about this. Mm-hmm. I want you to imagine you're, uh, you're a creature in the forest. You're, you, you, you have a tree. You live in this tree. Mm-hmm. And for as long as you know, there, every year this tree gives you more fruit and it's abundant and you love it. And then just over time, this tree starts to die off and you realize it's not giving you the fruit that you once was so abundant. And yet you hang on to it because you know it did at one time. So you just keep hanging on and hanging on. And even in the signs that the tree is actually dying, you keep hanging on because it was what you knew. But just about 50 feet away, there is another tree Mm -hmm. and it is 
so ripe with food. And you're thinking, oh man, that tree looks so great, but this is my tree. I'm going to hang on to this tree because I'm hoping something comes back, right? Oh, Until, I have so much anxiety right now. <laughs> right? I know. Until at some point, you know, even if you reach out and you don't get to the tree, you don't make that 50 feet jump. It's a pretty big jump, right? Yeah. The best thing is you land on the forest floor where all the fruit is laying from this vibrant, wonderful tree. Like, yeah, you didn't make it to three, but you made it to the floor. Wasn't what you expected. You made the leap. You jumped. There's tree, there's fruit on the floor. And once you get done with that, then you can climb up in this damn new tree and have it. But making that, making that leap is scary as hell. But it's oftentimes, whether you make it or not, you land somewhere. Ooh, <laughs> I like that one. Isn't that great? Yeah, because I'm imagining myself as this little lemur guy. Mm-hmm. And I've been living off apples and now there's no more apples. And on the other tree, there's oranges and I love oranges. Yeah. And I haven't had an orange in I don't know how many years. Right. So, man, it, it makes me feel like a kid a little bit because it's almost so simple, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess... What is it that we can chase if we feel stuck and we're trying to move out of something that we know isn't good enough for us? Like we may not believe, we may not have an idea of what we want to be or what we want to do or how it's going to go, but how do we, what are the things that we have to try to do to make some sort of change? Well, let's go back to that idea of awareness. I think awareness is huge. Mm-hmm. You have to become aware if you even want change. Yeah. Because yeah. you may not, maybe it just seems too daunting and too hard and you're mm-hmm. fine with just living a life that's kind of flatlining. That's okay. I mean, honestly, I have no judgment about that. That's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I remember teaching a workshop one time at this bio company And I was teaching it on taking coaching good to greatness. And um, one of the participants came up to me on the break and they just looked straight at me and he goes, but what if I don't want to be great? I'm like, yeah, okay. I get that at work. Is there any other area in your life that you want to be really good at, excel at? He's like, "Mm, maybe surfing. I said, yeah go be great at surfing, like go find some, maybe it's parenting, maybe it's in partnership. Maybe it's just the, you're the best curb walker <laughs> that, you know, who know, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. But I think first of all is awareness to see, you know, check in with yourself. Are, are you satisfied with your life where it's going? And if it's not, you know, you just said something that I think is imperative if you're, it's okay to start with, you know, what you don't want. Yeah. 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 But what we really got to get you to is what you do want. Mm -hmm. Even in the face of all of these stories that we're telling ourselves about what we think is really possible for our lives that are old, outdated stories. We have to be able to be really clear on what we do want. Mm-hmm. And that can just start with what are the emotions I want to experience more of? Yeah. 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 Um, 
So say somebody just doesn't want to, we'll take the easy one. So, someone doesn't want to experience the same job. They're like, yes, yeah. I, I don't want this. I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely don't want this. Great. It, this job, you know, has me miserable and, you know, I hate, I hate this nine to five idea. I don't experience anything new. I'm sitting all day. Um, I have a boss that thinks I'm a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm not speaking from my own story. Everybody just <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. Uh, and so we know we don't want that. Mm-hmm. So where do we reach first in order to find something that, you know, that is a catalyst that creates some sort of blossoming or, or, a or awakening or, or maybe even just a tingling, a tingling of something. Zach, different. I think you're doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're just the best living example right now. You're doing this podcast. You mm-hmm. You started something on a whim. You had no idea what this was going to look like. Mm-hmm. You're just going in. And I think I'm, I'm imagining this and please correct me if I'm wrong. You had an idea for a podcast and you're just going to say, I'm just going to try it. I don't know what this is fully going to look like. It might be messy as hell, but this feels right for me right now. Is that right? Yeah. And, and, and what it's, what it stemmed from, it's kind of relatable to your story about improv. It was mm-hmm. like, because what I didn't realize through most of my career doing the labor work that I did is that it taught me a lot of things that I didn't think were some sort of skill. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned patience. I learned resilience against other people. I was kind of a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, the butt end of a lot of jokes mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. I think it was because I, you know, I was very timid and, you know, I wanted people to accept me. So I let it happen. You know, I didn't have a boundary. Um, but what I did was I knew that I had to work in this particular environment. It wasn't my favorite, but I ended up taking what I had and tweaking a little bit. So I had all these guys making fun of me all the time. And I would shut down. Like I just didn't, you know, when I was a teenager, I just shut down. I didn't, I just walked Mm -hmm. away pretty much and it sucked. And I got so upset about it. And then I got to where, you know, if they were joking about me, then I would laugh with them. Right. And then it got to this point where I would beat them to the punch and I would, I would make a joke about myself before they could. And Mm -hmm. so what it did for me was it lightened the environment I was in control of the environment because I was, I was mad that it, everything was so, uh, everybody was so anxious and everybody was so stressed out and everybody was so angry all the time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be in this position where I talk about myself. I want other people to laugh. I want other people to smile because I can't stand being in this super, you know, tense, aggressive environment. So I'm going to change it because I'm tired of this. Um, and so I, I, I learned to have a voice. And like I said, I learned a lot of patience and I learned how to put people in a, in a better position, whether they realized it or not, I guess I I wouldn't say I was a manipulator, but (laughs) that's how almost every great stand-up comedian starts, buddy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Right. But, um, I I guess for me, it was, I took what I had Mm -hmm. 
to change it. Um, I've rode motorcycles for most of my life Mm -hmm. and I still ride. And then a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to do a trip around the States. I'd never gone anything long distance. I rode motorcycles. I rode motorcycles my whole life. And that's what I was building off of. I was like, okay, I can ride a motorcycle. I'm smart. I'm confident, you know, and you know, I'm paranoid enough to watch out for other vehicles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I did that trip and it was a little over 8,000 miles and it took me almost a month to do. Wow. Um, and it, it wasn't like this huge epic, like take all the pictures and be in all these beautiful places. I saw a lot of really cool things, but it was also very stressful. It was very unknown. Mm -hmm. It was all these things that I wasn't expecting and I survived it. I got almost a full, full circle. I did a clockwise rotation around the States and I got into California. And once I got to the coast, it was like this giant sigh of relief. I was like, Oh my God, I, I made it. I am only the, you know, I'm only a few hundred miles from home. I'm going to go up the coast and I'm going to shoot over home. And I'm, I've, accomplished this huge thing. Yeah. So for me, it was just, I took what I, some sort of skill I had, and I just pushed myself to get a little uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I don't know if that's how everybody's supposed to do it. Um, you know, but <laughs> it, it changed my belief about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a lot of situations that scared the shit out of me. Truly. Yeah, I, bet. I I felt lucky to to have gone all the way around, all the way around the states, you know, without getting hit, without hitting something else, mm-hmm. you know, without being um, uh, put out of commission basically by the environment. You know, I saw a few friends on my circle around the coast. It was just, it wasn't all good, but I got left with this huge feelings of of accomplishment because I decided to take something I knew and just go outside my boundary, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you found the thing that brought life to you, right? I think when we get into on the hamster wheel and we, you know, start working our eight, nine, 10 hours a day, and then we get in a, well, we used to get in a car and go home. Now we just turn around (laughs) to our loved ones (laughs) and the TV and, um, you know, that's just, I think it is searching for that thing that lights you up. Mm-hmm. It's searching for that thing that brings you life. And I, I often think that people think that they found it, but it's actually just numbing them as opposed mm-hmm. to bringing life. It's stuffing the hole, which, you know, lessens the pain for a while, but it's not the thing that actually lights them up. I, yeah, I totally agree. It's like this. We're scared of something that feels too good to be true. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I think all of us, all of us, no matter who you are, whoever's listening to this is a creator. Right. And so when that isn't tapped into, when that part of us goes dormant, And then we start, you know, sitting on the couch and consuming what other people are creating for us. Mm -hmm. And we don't do any of our own creation. It is a little bit of a soul death. Yeah. 
Okay, so I've got, I have a, I have a vice. My vice is movies. It, it always has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I feel stressed, that's what I go to. Yeah. And I, you know, I watch these, I watch these stories of like epic proportion, I guess, you know, it, for me, it's a lot of uh, action, thrill, you know, things that typically you would not experience in real life because mm-hmm. that's what movies are. Like we're watching these stories that feel fantastic. Right. Um, so, so that's my advice to get away from myself to, de- you know, to not have to deal with the things that suck, mm-hmm. you know, to not answer the questions about my own procrastination or lack of discipline or lack of belief, Yeah, you know, but a lot of times it's, and I think a lot of us do this too, is when we get into things social with social media mm-hmm. and we so- see all these people that are real, that are a lot closer to who we are, mm-hmm. you know, we find that relativity and that comparison destroys us. Sure. I always feel so much worse after like an hour of scrolling, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole comparison thing that we can get into. I'd love to, I think that idea of you watching movies, I can imagine is that something, it makes you feel something. So you feel excited. You feel on the edge. You feel uncertainty. You're not sure what's going to happen. So you're feeling something. And the interesting thing is, and what they're showing in research now is you might be feeling the emotions that you felt often as a child, the uncertainty, the living on the, the unsuredness, the not know we can get addicted to our emotions. And so when we don't have those emotionals, we create elements that allow us to create the emotions that we can get addicted to. Not that you have an addiction. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying for many people who are having to shove down what they're really feeling emotion, you know, and you were totally taking care of yourself in that situation by Mm -hmm. making fun of yourself and joining on in all that, but it also stunts you. It shuts down, you know, what you're really feeling is what you want to say is, Mm -hmm knock it off you guys, (laughs) not cool. Right. So those being able to watch those movies for you is certainly a survival mode for you to feel something. And maybe you feel rage or maybe you feel anger, maybe you feel whatever it is so that you can rise up those emotions. You turned it like a complete 180 for me. Oh, why is that? Because I always thought it, it was my numbing. I mm. thought it was me getting away. It very well right? could be, right? I, well, I don't know. That makes me question now. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I'm talking about, guys. Get the perspective <laughs> and try a different way. Because I always thought it was like, okay, I, I need to get away from all this stress. But it could be both even, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is because I feel some sort of excitement. I see somebody else's story and that gives me this emotion of like uh, success or accomplishment or... That's new. That is very new. I like that That's a lot. New. Yeah. Well, especially if you're watching movies where someone has a voice or someone can fight back or someone says something, you know, that's a mm-hmm. superhero and you've had times when you haven't felt like you've been, you've been able to do that. It can feel like we put ourselves, you know, I totally remember sitting watching, you're probably too young for this, but when the pro- <laughs> color purple came out, it was packed theater and I had to sit in the very first row and I went by myself because I was in that miserable marriage <laughs> and I wanted to see this movie. And I remember 
just bawling. I bawled my eyes out. Now, listen, I've never been a black woman. I've never had my sister taken away from me. I've never been beaten or raped. I've never had a child taken away from me. I've never lived any of her experiences, but I was in her experience. It, uh, and so when you are watching a movie, you are in the experience and you may very well be in the experience of watching of, I need this excitement. I need this thrill because there's nothing else in my life that's exciting. Or mm-hmm. I need to be able to watch or witness someone be able to say the things I need to say or come in like the big hero because I'm not able to do that in my life right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I- I'm going to tell you. So I cry at the end of Armageddon almost every time I watch it. Mm. I've never had a daughter. I've never flown to space. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> I've been right. in an oil rig. I'm definitely not an actor. I'm not Bruce Willis. Uh, but almost every time. It, it's weird how much that makes sense. Yeah. That's very interesting. Well, it also tells me you have empathy. Like you can sit sit in and see a perspective of someone else. And you can be in that perspective, not just have sympathy for someone, but you can have empathy for them. You're a living, breathing man, Zach. Who knew? (laughs) knew? The lion does have a heart. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so, you know, wrapping all this into one thing, you know, yeah, I don't know if we'd heck, I don't know if we can now, Zach. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be difficult. There's so many, there's so many pieces of this. Uh, It's crazy what our stories entail. Mm, Yeah. You know, it's crazy to, to, to realize that there's, because it's, it's almost like when we're, when we're children, we're, our, our, our world is definitely a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like the world is, is when we start to, you know, our parents start to guide us and we start to experience different things. We play sports and, you know, we have these different friends and we make moves. Um, you know, we go through traumas, bad experiences, whatever. Our, our world continues to grow, continues to grow. And at some point, this is the complex for, thing for me, is at some point, there's this idea of, of being an adult and taking, you know, taking things a lot more serious, mm-hmm. but still living as children because we can't get away from, you know, our emotional reactions mm-hmm. to things. Yeah. It's like we're told to be mature, but if we don't process all of the things that we had when we were kids, then are we really mature? <laughs> I think those are those, those stories, those biases, those feelings that we have mm-hmm. are, I like them. I liken them to our mental junk drawer. Mental junk drawer. Okay. So if, do you, have you ever had a junk drawer? Oh Growing yeah. Up? There's so much random crap in there. Yeah. Everything's random crap. You don't even know what overfills. It's overfills. <laughs> yeah. It's got, who knows what's in there? Well, your subconscious is like that. In your whole life, people have been coming off and dropping things into your subconscious. And you don't even know what's in there until stressful times come up. And that's when these stories come up. Like when you're just happy going along and things are great, you really don't have any stories that hold you back. But the moment things start getting hard and difficult, um, 
you know, the stressors of the world start coming in, your mental junk drawer starts spewing out the contents of what has been placed in there over the years of your life. And those stories like I'm not good enough or who am I to think that they can get this, this kind of success is for other people and not for me. That's all in that mental junk drawer from people and stories and schools and media and churches and universities and everywhere has been put this in there. And those stories, that junk drawer is a product of everybody else, but we believe it's ours. We carry this junk drawer around thinking that these are our facts and our stories. And so often they're not. So you're, you're carrying around all this extra stuff that is just weighing you down. Well, that's our subconscious right. for sure. Everybody has one. I'm getting rid of it. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, just empty out that junk drawer. <laughs> just dump everything. Yeah. All of it. Um, so the, so what can we do, I guess, cause now I'm thinking about the moments, right? Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when, because the, the, the super awesome moments, when we feel alive, we've just experienced something or we just accomplished something. It's very fleeting, right? It only lasts right. so long, you know? Right. And so when we come back to our story and we start to feel the pressure of the world and what we have to do, because that's one of the biggest things for me. I couldn't enjoy anything because I was, I was conditioned to think that I'm only worth something while I'm working. Right. So anything that I was trying to enjoy, it was more of like anxiety of like, I need to get this done because it's not Mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing anyway. So when you do have this accomplishment and you have this, this, moment of joy and passion and all this stuff. And then you go back to your story. I guess what's do, is it something that we need to process more and, and like give into, or is it more of, we need to change the way that we think to, to turn around that belief, like condition ourselves to, to question it every time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think there's two things in there. One of them is, yes, I think we can do a better job of celebrating your wins, staying in the moment of that experience and not minimizing it, Mm. finding people in our lives we can share that with and they'll celebrate us as well. So it's, you know, so it's longer living than just our fleeting moments. Mm. So we can get that feeling in our body and we know what it feels like to be in that place of joy and celebration and, you know, true happiness, as you said, they're fleeting, but they're also, you know, as I said earlier, that idea that our core beliefs, our stories are just thoughts on repeat. And we need to come up with some better thoughts, some better stories that we are willing to do the work to put on repeat. And that isn't easy because those those little stories, those stories of who are you, or you have to be working to get love, or you have to be working to be accepted, right? So for you, Zach, what would be a different thought that you would love to replace that with? That I have all the time in the world to enjoy myself. Great. 
that makes sense. It makes sense to you. So that's all that matters. Because it feels like I'm rushing my Mm. good moments. Mm. Great. So that moment, then when you say, I have all the time in the world to enjoy myself. I have all the time. You know, I went through, I have pages and pages and pages in my journal where I just wrote on repeat. I'm enough. I'm worthy. I'm, you know, I'm lovable. I'm, I, I can do whatever I set my mind to. I'm mm-hmm. enough. I'm worthy. I'm a good speaker, you know, just to rewire those very quick stories that would come up mm-hmm. that had become my truth because I let them play on repeat. So I became aware of them and then found out just like you just did, what do I want to replace them with? And we allow these negative things to go off unchecked. We allow them to go off in our brain and we, you know, they're subconsciously running all the time so that the moment we can bring them into our consciousness, it's up to us to check that and say, "Mm, I don't know that that's true. Let me try this on instead. Mm -hmm. I have all the time in the world to enjoy myself. I have all the time in the world to enjoy myself. And you can be saying that when you're sweeping and making your bed, you know, doing the dishes, riding around in your motorcycle. I mean, imagine that thought going through your head versus, oh, I got to hurry up. I got to get back to work. I got to hurry up. I got to get back to work. Mm -hmm. Instead saying, I get to enjoy this moment fully. It changes your experience because you change the story. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's like, we can't, we can't just stop thinking about the bad stuff. It has to fill something else has to take its place. I guess. Right. And it's, it's the, 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 you know, I'm sure you've heard the term neuroplasticity. Yep. Right. So our brains can change and I'm, I'm leaving out his name and I'm so sorry, but I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast and it was a researcher and I loved what he said. It's actually, you know, when you think of neuroplasticity, plasticity takes time to harden and, you know, to be meldable, it takes force and effort that actually our brains are live wiring all the time Mm -hmm. so that every experience you have is another opportunity to create a new synapsis, a new connection in your brain, which is why we have, we just have to put this stuff on repeat so that those strong connections that we have to our old stories can become weakened because they're being replaced with something else. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just turn this off and on. No, (laughs) I wish we could make it that easy, but it is hard work for sure, but it can be done. So, yeah. So it's like, you can't leave a blank space. So you, you change the ratio, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. Change the ratio. Um, so it's, it's almost like people need to find some sort of staple that can't, that they can't allow, that, that won't allow them to always think the same thing. So for example, for example, um, cause I, I probably need to play with this a little bit more, but I put an orange post-it note. Mm-hmm. I would like to say orange because I wanted to make sure I get noticed, but that's just the color I had. Um, and I wrote on it. I am enough. Mm-hmm. And it's on my bathroom mirror. Mm-hmm. Now I have to shower. I have to brush my teeth. I have to play with my hair for 15 minutes at a time because my hair is ridiculously <laughs> horrible to do, to deal with. Um, it's like sheep's wool, but uh, like I have to look in that mirror. Mm-hmm. I have to every day, every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have a little mirror, so it's, it's not like it's, it's way over here or anything. It's, it's like a, 
three by 18 inch mirror kind of, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's right in front of my face every yeah. day, every day. There's nothing I can do about it. And I could pull it off of there. And there may be days that I don't believe it, but I still have to look at it every day. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think that's my best. Ugh, that's my, probably my best practice into what we're trying to get across maybe here. Yeah. Yeah. I would just encourage you every once in a while is just to move that to a new location. Okay. Because we, because we get used to things and we no longer take them in. It's like, how many times have you driven past your neighborhood? I mean, could you tell me the color of the house, four houses down on your right? You drive past it every yeah. single day. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't take it in. You don't feel like it's important. You don't take it in. Mm. So it, moving it makes it then become important. It's, it's like it's novelty. Remember, your brain likes novelty. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. pays more attention to those things. So when you move it to a new location or rewrite it in some way or, you know, rewrite it in your left hand or if you're right-handed or in your right hand, if you're left-handed and put it somewhere else, maybe it's on a blue post-it note. So it becomes fresh and new again for you. Oh my God. This is awesome. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. No, I love that one because that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. because uh, we like the, we like the new. Yeah. We really like the new. Yeah. We really like the new. So what do you think are the biggest things like what are the biggest changes or biggest steps we can make to changing this ridiculous story that we have uh, that the world is created for us? Cause ultimately in my opinion, the world has keep has kept us so out of focus on purpose. Yeah. Well, you know? there's another hour in here in this one. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> 2.0 got another 2.0. Uh -huh. Um, and I, it's where I have a, a lot of tension Mm -hmm. Um, in, in, in my opinion, the evil of the world, man, you know, depending on wh whether you believe in good and evil, you know, it mm -hmm. depends on how you, how you describe that, what your definition is of good and evil, but man is very capable of evil. Mm -hmm. You know, humans are very capable of evil. And, uh, I think it's legitimately out there for the gain of the greedy or the shallow mm -hmm. or whatever. And it works so well in our society. And it's something that we have to fight more and more as time goes by because, you know, we're getting thrown everything from, you know, all these industries and all the branding and all the things that we, that they say we need to be healthier. And I think it ultimately is, I think that presence would be more instinctive if it wasn't for all of this stuff. Like it would be easier yeah. to connect to our presence if it wasn't for all of this crap. Yeah. Right. I can imagine that. I mean, I, I imagine a life of a Quaker who's yeah. you know, got his family around and, or, you know, the buggy, like they're really, what are you, you're focusing on the present moment. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing if you don't, cause you don't have all of these disruptions and interruptions and mm -hmm. in your face advertisement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what you're asking is, well, how do we actually change this? And I think, you know, mm -hmm. it's awareness and it's the question, well, do I really want to change this? Do I really want to change this? Am I so willingly falling in love with this story that I'm going to hold on to it? Because our stories serve us on some level, right? We, we, we did create the story. We adapted to this story. We accepted this story because it served us at one time, mm -hmm. right? You knew that to get love and acceptance, you had to be working. So that story mm -hmm. served you at some point. It doesn't serve you so much now. Mm -hmm. 
but it's your identity. You're probably a really hardworking dude, do a lot of stuff. And it's, oh, I, I always think that I have to move. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's the question of, do you want to change this story? Because it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hold on to belief that this story is true for you? And maybe see where that go. That could go so many different directions. It, you know, it doesn't have to be a binary yes or no, but what if it yeah, was? Yeah. What if it was a, do I want to change or do I not? That's an uncomfortable one too. I can see how that'd be super uncomfortable. Like if you just sit with that mm-hmm. and that's, you know, and you focus on it, like, do I want this? Or I think you said it better. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. Do you want to change that? Cause that question. Do you even want to change? Yeah. Cause I think once you say yes to that, then you have to be willing to pay the price for change. What is it going to take? Because it's going to ask you, what is it going to take? And the the take is, and how I look at it is my whole purpose on this earth as a soul being is to evolve into the human that I want to be. Mm -hmm. So if that's my purpose, then of course I want to say yes. Right. And I know it's going to be challenging. I know it's going to be hard but I can also find the joy in that, that I can be like, oh my gosh, I, I really am changing my thought pattern. I'm changing my story and all this, but not everyone has that belief, nor do they have any, you know, that there is real comfort in staying the same. And sometimes we get seduced by the idea of being comfortable versus growth. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, there's there's going to be, there could potentially be so many sacrifices. Sure. Like a lot. But is it a sacrifice to get out of the dead tree to go to the new tree? Right? It's how do we frame even that, the story that we tell ourselves about mm-hmm. the sacrifices? I gave up a house. I gave up a car. I gave up living on my own. Um. And for some reason, I, it doesn't make sense to me now, but for, but then it, I felt like I was giving up an identity because I, I thought it was part of what I had to have to be mm-hmm. happy and successful. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned from that? Oh, all that crap does not make me. <laughs> the, the, I love how you said that, Zach. <laughs> well, well, because when I look back at it now, it's super frustrating. I'm like that didn't, it didn't make me. It didn't give me more confidence. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me more manly. It didn't make me uh, physically or mentally stronger. Um, it didn't. It didn't allow me freedom. Uh, it didn't make me more attractive. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on who the other person is, mm-hmm. right? But to me, it it wasn't going to help me in in being attractive to the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but in the moment, it super sucked because I thought I needed all that stuff sure. to be accepted and, and like seen as uh, loving and, and or lovable and, um, and capable, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, that's what the world tells us. Nasty, nasty people. <laughs> nasty people. How dare they? Nasty people. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. 
Deanna, what what is your best description? What can people attach to that um, that answers what does it mean to be rebel minded? Mm. I think it means truly just that. Check your story. Is that story you're telling yourself serving yourself? And if it's not, let's do some work and change that because the world definitely wants you to live the story that they want you to live. They want you to eat the Krispy Kremes. They want you to watch, you know, buy the 70 inch TV. They want you to have the nice cars and nice houses. They want you to go into debt. They want you to do that so that you can serve them mm-hmm. through your time, money, and energy. Ooh. So, so much less about serving yourself. Yeah. And it's a really big question to find out for yourself. And it's interesting. I think, you know, I'm going to just take a little tangent here. Parents always parent for the thing that they didn't have. And so, right. And so, but I think there's an interesting thing that's happening with this generation that's now like um, Gen Z and millennials. They had parents who really more often than not said, go do what you want to do. Go, go do, find the thing that you want, love and go do it. Don't be beholden to this job because, you know, their, their parents were telling them, go get a job. You got to have a job, <laughs> go get a retirement plan, go get the house. And so we see this younger generation really being way more adventurous and way, being way more, I'm just going to go travel around the States, right? <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. on my motorcycle and go travel everywhere. I'm going to, I want a life where I have freedom. I hear the word freedom come up so often. <clears throat> so I think, I think, I think there is a change afoot that this younger generation may not be as beholden to the idea of what the world wants them to do. Mm-hmm. That's what my hope is. Anyway, I'm not sure that that's true, but those are the glimpses that I'm seeing. But the world could be telling them something completely different, and I'm not sure of it. Well, I, I kind of think that's the beauty of it too, is it's it's so unique. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe that should, you know, Maybe that's what the the idea of freedom should be connected to is that it it it's just so unique Absolutely. to everybody. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Deanna, if you <laughs> were to make some recommendations, mm. like what are what what kind of what are the kind of things that helped you the most? Like are there are there books or influencers mm-hmm. or is there any other habits or conditions or things that you've done that have helped you change your own story? Yes. Here, I have a book right here. Look at this. Live the best story of your life. Oh my God, that fits this this podcast (laughs) so well. It's by a guy named, he was was actually a tennis coach champion, I think, uh, Bob Litwin. But I love this book. So, So many ideas in there about how we are, we're not living our truthful life. Um, a book, it's been out years now. Lots of people have read it. Big Magic by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and there's a book by um, Steve Chandler called The Story of You. It's another great book on how do we create these stories about who we think we are and how can we change them. I bet I can't believe how, how awesomely fitting that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to link those. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna link those in in the episode and the uh, for the podcast. Um, Deanna, where can what is the best place for everybody to find you if they are interested in working with you or getting to know who you are? Yeah, you can go to my website at Deanna Moffitt. Lots of double letters in that. D E A N N A M O F F I T T dot com. <laughs> I saw the link tree at linktree.deannamoffitt.com where you can find out all my latest blog posts. You can find me on Insight Timer, give me some meditations with me. You know, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all the links are there as well. It's fantastic. Uh, Deanna, thank you so much for being here. This was fantastic. Super fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me, buddy. Of course. Um, okay, listen, guys, there's there's so much here about how we convince ourselves of something that is so untrue. And I think um, the the talk that Deanna and I had today is is proof that there's things different, that there's proof that there's something else besides the experiences you've had, regardless of where you are on that path. Right, Deanna, maybe? Um, so I hope that you go find Deanna. I hope that you can maybe look up some of the books and I hope that you can question yourself on everything that you desire and want. Can you question your own story? Can you question what doesn't work for you? Can you question your misery? Can you question anything that doesn't feel like it's part of your life's success, your life's passion? I love it, Zach. Yeah. Question everything. Question, question. everything. Well, can you question your story? That seems yeah. like a very good base. Yeah. Very exactly. good foundation. Yeah, for sure. I, I hope everybody goes out to do that. Thank you all for being here on the Rebel Mind podcast. Everybody out there, um, stay strong and stay rebel-minded. I'm your host, Zach. Out. He's so good with the other dog that he lives with. He's mm-hmm. so good with like a few dogs, like um, my sister's dogs, or we go over to a friend's house or something like that. But as soon as we go to the dog park, does not matter where the dog park is. It doesn't matter what dogs. He thinks it's a giant orgy. He just he <laughs> he just finds a dog to hump. I, it's like he doesn't know how to play. Right. He has no idea how to play inside of a dog park. He legit thinks it's like, oh, everybody's naked. Everybody's <laughs> here to fulfill my needs. Everyone checked in, right? Everyone knows the safe word? Okay, here we go. (laughs) Everybody knows the safe word. Here we are again at the end. I'm starting to tear up a little bit. And I just want you to know that I'm going to miss you. And I appreciate you. And I love you. And I hope that whatever you're after, you keep fighting for it. Your experience is uniquely your own. And so that means so are the challenges that you face. Stay strong and don't let anyone diminish who you are or what you dream of being. As your friend and fellow flawed human, stay rebel-minded, my friends. Until next time.